the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my guest, taking your calls on everything from bugs, fig trees and even passion fruit. We've also got top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden. Plus, yes, it's my favourite, the plant of the week. Going straight to your calls now, and this week we start with Eve in Angers Green. Oh, hello, Ken. Uh, yeah, I've got some, set some tomato seeds, and uh, they're supposed to be Gardener's Delight, but they're definitely not, because <laughs> I usually grow duck Gardener's Delight, and these are uh, queer-looking plants, growth sort of everywhere with shriveled up leaves, and uh, they're absolutely uh, tasteless. Horrible. Not a lot you can do about that. But, um, and you bought them as plants, didn't you, I take no, it? No, I seeds. bought them... As no, seed? Mr Fothergill's seed. Oh, don't... No, you're not supposed to mention the name. Do you know what you <laughs> need to do? Is, well, no, you know what you need to do, actually? You should actually write to the company and explain how disappointed you are because if seed companies don't know what you're thinking, they can't respect you. And they're a very, very good company. Yeah. They're very, you know, they trial stuff. They do, they've got a great trial ground. They do a lot of work to get the seed right. So you should actually tell them. So what, what's, what would you like us to help you with, Eve? Well, I just wondered if anybody else has had the thing. Because it's a year or two back, I bought a plant from one of, you know, one of our local uh, decent garden centres. Because yeah. my plants, I think that some of them came a crop or whatever so and it was one plant i bought one plant from them and one plant from somewhere else mm -hmm. and i'd had and that so-called gardener's delight was exactly the same as i've got this year so i thought when they started off i thought i'm not sure about this i've got my doubts there was there was about a year or two ago um from our plants that you had I think it might have been Gardener's Light or another, but for some reason they come out. So I think it might have been Tigerella, the little sort of stripy. What? So the commercial seed supplier. Yeah, I mean, this goes get, gone because Fothergills and Suttons and all these firms they don't produce their own tomato seeds. No, they, they're buying them in from from a supplier that does it. And somewhere right at the beginning of the chain, as such, there was a mix-up, and some tigerella got into the garden slice. And we're buying them from a, a commercial nursery that's yeah. growing plants, so we don't know what they are. We can only take what what yeah. we're sold, and they're taking what they're told. So it may have been a similar mm. thing again this year, where somehow another variety has crept into that batch of batch of seed. But of course, any seed I don't know company. What it, I don't know what the variety is because I, nobody wanted anyway. Because <laughs> uh, it was, you know, packeted the end of April 19, so it's yeah. it's this year's uh, mm. this year's back. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Eve, it's got the name and address on the back. Um, yes, yes, he's, I know. It's it's sort of in the next door county. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, just over um, the border. So do drop them a line, and I'd be very interested to know what they say because I'm sure they'll be very helpful, and they will want to know. Yeah. They seriously will want to know. Yes, oh, yes, I guess they will. But I was just wondering if anybody else has sort of 
uh, you know, had the same sort of things happen to me this year. Well, I must say that my tomatoes that I'm growing are pretty tasteless, but I mean, I don't know actually what they were. I picked up a couple of old plants and um, yeah. they're pretty tasteless. Mine are, but... mine are right now, but they didn't start too great. Uh, no, no tomatoes, tomatoes have been... Funny, funny start to the year, I know we yeah. that. Dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. Anyway, look, uh, Eve, keep in touch, can you? And let us know how you get on. Um, if you do call back uh, about any other tomatoes, please don't mention the company's name. Just let us know. If you want to send me an email about it, you can. Ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And again, we will act discreetly, but we will always talk to uh, the companies about it. Ken, uh, from Colchester we are, talking Budliers. Is that right, Ken? Uh, Budlier? Yeah. Um my friend had a budley growing in a totally unwanted position. It was half in and half out of a pot. Um, and she said, throw it away. So I thought I'd have a go at uh, transplanting it to my place. So I brought it back in the pot that it was in. Um, and I planted it in a big patio pot um, with fresh um, peat round the existing root ball. And it's sort of died. It's drooping. The leaves have sort of um, lost their colour and they're sort of hanging all sloppy, and it looks like it's drying off. Um, have I over... I've put a bucket of water in it when I planted it. Have I overwatered it, or... When, d- when did you do it? Last week. Right. That's fine. You know, even that it's growing in a pot and, and it's sort of... You're not disturbing it too much. The fact of moving it out of one pot, moving it around, putting it in another pot, it will have just damaged some root tips. Right. Um, so your best bet is just to keep watering it, it's just showing signs of, of, of not being able to get enough moisture up through there because the tips of the roots that are taking in that moisture have just had a bit of a check. So, uh, All right, so it might come back, might it? It may well. If, if it's in a sunny position, pop it somewhere shady. Don't want it in full sun because it, oh, you know, right. it's just asking it for it to... North-facing in a very clear position so it gets the sun during the morning but it's shaded in the afternoon so yeah. I need to put it somewhere permanently Just, just for the short term, like. they love a bit of sun once they're, they're going but just to help it settle in, it's a bit of an awkward time of the year to, to move stuff and it's just showing signs of, of not liking it And I'm going to move down to Hoddesdon now and talk to uh, Alan Alan uh, Fig- um, Just two quick, quick questions on my fig tree It's very overgrown When should I cut it back please It's got to be cut back I bet there's There might be two opinions here Because there's a couple of them When, do yeah. you, when would you cut them back uh, It's hard because if you want to leave fruits soon You're going to be picking yeah. off fruits To leave the tiny fruits So I'd tend to always See, do See some it people summer and prune And some people spring prune Yeah don't they? Because I think if you spring prune, you can prune away anything that hasn't got those little t- small figs in there, and you've still sense. got a chance of getting some figs that year. If you chop them back now, the new growth probably won't form no. figs for next year. So it's one of those. You can probably do it any time if you want to just take chunks out and reduce it. But I tend to wait sort of early spring, end of Feb, March, and think, well, there's some figs. I'll try to save those bits because you're only looking for the tiny little fingernail figs in the spring yeah i've got loads and loads of figs on it now but uh, ranging from about the size of a dams and right down to a pea yeah, yeah the peas the ones that should with a bit of luck You've go through the winter those or smaller but anything that's sort of not looking like it's going to be a fig this year to eat probably won't make it have you had any figs to eat this year uh 
no, the, the only one that came, and the figs, uh, the wasps got it. And when I pulled <laughs> it off, it was empty inside. They do like a good fig. Yes. Uh, uh, now, uh, another one, um, I've got a small cutting. Uh, it was a, a root cutting of a fig. Uh, it's got two branches coming out from the bottom. If I take it out and split it, what's the best place to put it, in a pot or in the ground? Um, you'll probably find, although they're coming up from the bottom, they're probably coming from the same stem. Yeah, so you may not are. be able to when split it. When I planted it last year, they were on the same stem. Yeah, so you won't be able to split it. It won't. Because you'll no. split the main stem. So you've just got to plant it, really, or keep it growing in the pot and enjoy two, you know, two, two, two stems. Uh, pot's better, is it, than the ground? It is probably early on, um, but they do like to be, you know, you don't get a lot of figs or you get unless too much growth ground. unless they're in the ground, but you've still got to just let them use what food's there and, and yeah, it'll be a bit restricted. about two foot tall at the moment, well both of them are about two foot tall and you've yeah. got nine figs on. But, um, That's good. You know, I, just, I, don't, I wondered if they were this year's or next year's, but they are um, quite big. It depends on the size and whether they ripen it. You just yeah. have to sit and wait. All on really. the season, really. But and if when you're planting, if it's in a clay pot or even a plastic pot that's a reasonable size, mm. leave it in the pot and restrict its roots when it goes into the ground, and you'll get better results. Now, a quick one on um, passion flowers. Uh, I've just taken the, the uh, fruits off and all the red seeds inside. If I dried them and sow them next year, will they grow into passions? They should do. Or will they, is it a waste of time? It's worth a go. You should get a few from yeah, there. Yeah, because they do drop. If you leave them on the plant, the yeah. plant they'll go yellow, drop their seeds, and then they root on the ground. Shoot up. They shoot yeah. on the ground. Oh, so, right. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll give it a go anyway. Thanks Let's, again. Let us know how you get on, Alan. Always good to hear from you. We go over to Romford, and we're talking an unidentified plant, aren't we, Sandra? Yes, we are. Hi, Ken. What is it? Right. <laughs> I, think that's our job. I, went home after, I went home after about five weeks and this great big bush plant had grown. Yes. And it's, now it's got a white trumpet on it. And further down the stem is like a conker. Um, I just don't know. It, it's, it's about four foot tall now and about four got, foot uh, wide. And is the leaf palm shaped? A little bit mm. pointy at the you know, Pointy? Like a, like a hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we do know what it is, we but we don't know, know what it is. <laughs> but we can't remember its name because we've got a picture on the screen. Someone no. else asked the same. But um, I've, you've, I've, you've... I've sent you an email with a picture of oh, it. That's, that's You're Sandra one. Marshall. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra, we're both sitting here saying we know, you know it. <clears throat> we, we know that, but we, we can't it. get it, and we know where it's come from. So I tell you what, as I've got your email, I will answer you <laughs> when I discover what it is. How about that? Is that all right, Sandra? Yeah, we've looked on we've looked on Google, and it's supposed to be a really toxic plant. Yes, yeah, we know. It, I think it is a form of castor. It's oil, a form of castor oil plant. It basically it is toxic. It is you don't eat the fruits, don't do anything with it. They're poisonous, and you, aren't and you they? And you'll find it's probably come out of birdseed. Well, the birds plant a thing above above it. The bird's yeah, table. so it's one of the seeds that is in birdseed. So, right. and they grow really quick. So the birds have flicked it out. It's hit the ground. Five weeks later, you've got this plant, um, yeah, but it is it's toxic. Plant, but it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't really want to have it hanging around for too long. But it's come out of birdseed, and we just stumped at what we're trying to remember. We all both know it, but we can't think remember the name. Um, but oh, right. we we knew as soon as we saw it. Went that's that. That's poisonous. That come out of the birdseed. We can't quite remember it yet, but um, we 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 will come up with it. Okay. okay, lovely. Is it, 
Ricinus. Is it, is it Ricinus communis? And that's a, well, ricin is the poison, isn't it? So it could be ricinus thing, yeah. couldn't it? Have a look at ricinus, Sandra. Yeah. And so going back, it looks, it, they said it comes from South America? That's right. Yeah. Ricinus. Try ricinus. R-I-C-I-N-U-S. It might be ricinus. Because, right. in fact, then. the poison is ricin, ricin, which the Russians used. <laughs> <laughs> We won't go there on that one, Sandra, but have a look at ricinus and we'll get it from there. My plant of the week this week is Calicanthus occidentalis. Yep, was brought to England by Peter Collinson in, yeah, 1756 from the USA. Calicanthus are deciduous. They can grow about three foot high, but whoa, do they spread. They can spread to about eight, nine feet. If you scrape the bark, it's absolutely fascinating because I don't know whether you remember. If you were, if you're quite old and uh, you uh, can remember camphor oil, well, it smells of camphor. The flowers are produced all summer. They're about two inches across. They're dark red to burgundy with a reddy brown stepples. They lack distinct sepals and petals, but instead of that, they've got a sort of spiral tepals. The lotus-shaped flower, actually, if anything, it's, it's very much like a magnolia. The, and the, uh, the fruits uh, actually are fragrant. The native Indians used to use the wood, if you're interested, and you're into archery, for arrowheads and making shafts of. They're a lovely plant to grow because they're a little bit different. So look out for them and ask for them. Calicanthus occidentalis likes rich soil, full sun, don't let it dry out. Not totally hardy, so you might need to protect it during the winter. Hello, Steve. Hello. What are we talking about today? Hi, Ken. Um, I sent in a photograph uh, by email a couple of weeks ago of a Mahonia. Got the Mahonia for my birthday, planted it in a small bed uh, in a shady spot. Um, but just in the last three, four weeks, the leaves, particularly the new leaves that uh, sprouted from the top particularly, have gone coppery brown and died. We can see the picture now. It looks, to me, it looks like scorch, but um, you say you've watered it regularly. Yeah, yeah, we're watering it. It's in a shady spot, but we're watering it at least weekly very well. Obviously, watered it kind of daily for a few weeks. Um, we have noticed just these past few days a little bit of new growth of green leaf on it. Have um, but I wondered whether it doesn't like that position. It's a bit tight, and I read online no, that they're not supposed to be... Only because they grow quite big. It's only, any... No, that's, si that's purely size-wise. That's not nothing to do with the, you know, it's position-wise, if that makes sense. Um, right. You know, I... To us, if if you had, in fact, I just I can't always get round to my emails. I do eventually get round to emails, but um, I don't always get to them on air because we take phone calls first and then we do emails second. Um, if does... you sent me a picture like that, I would have written back and said it's dried out at some stage. And the most important thing is if you say because the leaves underneath are green, yeah. and if you yeah. say you're getting new growth that's bright green, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a paler, kind of a lime green. That is a sign yeah. that for some short period it is dried out. And the problem with evergreens is they don't show it when they're dry because they don't tend to flag like other plants. They just sort of do it and then a few, well, a week later so or so, then they show the signs of it. So it's never quite when you think it might have been. 
Right, right. Um, and a new plant in a part, the root ball dries out quicker than the ground. I would, can get caught a little I'd bit. I'd cut those bits out, wouldn't just you? Just trim them off, yeah. Trim those bits yeah, off. trim them off. Yeah, cut yeah, back down. I, I, I check the little stalks that the branches are attached to, that the leaves are attached to, and there's still kind of life below that. It's not kind of that brown. Yeah, it's just a bit of, it's just dry, touch dry, and it's just enough for it to... Yeah. Just not, don't, don't need to move it then. No. No, 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 no. No, they're talking about the size it will grow. That's what oh, that's what the warning on the plant on the ticket is. Yep. That's great. Lovely. That's great. Good. Good. Sorry. Well, thank you very much. Sorry mm-hmm. we didn't get to your email in time. <laughs> we do have a bit of trouble getting through everything, but I do my best eventually to uh, to answer them, even though you have to wait a little while. I'm afraid. Penny from Malden. Hello, Penny from Malden. Oh, good morning. Um, yeah, I've been uh, d- taking out my old uh, tomato plants out of a tub, which is. Um, 17 inches across and about 15 inches deep and I'm just wondering what I can grow in there um, or possibly some vegetable or something fill it up a bit in the tub or you don't obviously I wouldn't necessarily use that compost again couldn't you just use oh, it for okay. this summer and you can top it up or add a bit of food because a tomato will have you know used up any decent food in there um, to top it up if you can get them and you've got a way of protecting them a bit later, you could always do a few uh, potatoes in there. Oh, OK. You know, for Christmas... Christmas ones. Yeah, Christmas spuds. Yeah. Have you got somewhere you can protect the pot eventually, as if it, when it gets cold? Uh, what, just put some sort of... Um, you could probably f- fleece it over or just pop yeah. it somewhere yeah. a bit sheltered. Yeah, I could do that. It's, it's reasonably sheltered anyway. It's against a, a west... Yeah, because I mean we were in that sort of time. Um, didn't do potatoes yeah, for, for Christmas, sale, aren't they? Christmas yeah. potatoes. You can um, do things that most salad crops. You've still got time to turn around, so you do a little crop of they'll cut and come again lettuce or, or some radish or anything like that. But um, even a late carrot you could put in, yeah, there, couldn't you? Yeah, get some carrots out of there. You've got time. It's just a case of you know what you fancy. But I always quite like the idea of nice new potatoes at Christmas time. That sounds like a good idea. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Penny with uh, a a pot that she's cleared her tomatoes from. We should have asked why she cleared her tomatoes. We didn't ask that, did we? Perhaps they're finished. 0800 We've got a line free at the moment. That's uh, 0800 Or you can message me, 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. It's as easy as that. Let's now go to... Is it Dick from South End? Well, so- Southern Wooden, Wooden Fer- Where are you? I can't South read Woodham. it. South, South Woodham. Perris. That's it. It's all right. The machine doesn't quite let me read all that one. I don't know why. On, on number four line, it doesn't let me read it. Well, how can we help you then? It's Dick, right. isn't it? Yes. I phoned up a couple of weeks or so back about my beans because they weren't very good. They yep. still aren't. But I wanted to talk about bugs. Um I've found bugs on the plant, and they're a bright green, not quite lime green, but they're quite, you know, quite bright. Um, and they're a good half-inch head to tail. Are they, I wonder what they were. Are they a shield shape? Yes. They're, they're shield, shield bugs. <laughs> <laughs> now, we don't class those as a pest. Not they generally. do nibble a little bit, don't yeah. they, though? Yeah, I mean, with your beans, you're not alone. There's, there's pretty much a, everyone on the, my allotments. I only grow the sort of flowers on the allotments, but everyone that's got beans are all moaning and groaning that they're not getting very good beans this year, and the plants are growing, but they're, they're not pollinating, and 
So you, that's you, it. That's it. Yes. Yeah, you're not on your own there. So, so take some pride in the fact that you, you're just in the same boat as everyone else. Um, <laughs> but it's just not been a good year for me. That sounds like shield bugs, but they're not really a, a not normally a problem on that sort of thing. It wouldn't be causing your, your lack of beans. And, right. And we okay. don't kill them. We don't kill them. We just leave them alone. Yeah, they don't do any no. you know enough damage to worry about. Oh, they're not harmful or anything. No. I've never seen no. them before. That was the point. Yeah. No, they're about, it's just that time of year, but you're in the same club as everyone else with beans this year. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> All the very best. It's funny how we have got good bugs, bad bugs. It's like hoverflies. <laughs> People are scared of hoverflies because yeah, yeah. they've got stripes and they think they're wasps yeah. and they're not wasps, they're hoverflies. I had a couple and of hornets really... around me years last I, night. I saw hornet this mm. week, yeah. There's, yeah, a, there's more around than you realise. Yes, it seems to be. It, it does make you duck when you hear one yes, of those hovering over you. Big, aren't they? <laughs> bit big, bit big. Now. Yes, right. Where do we go from here? Uh, we did. We go to Rob. Let's talk to Rob, shall we? Yes, we'll talk to Rob in Stanway. Hello, Rob. Morning, gents. Um, yes, yeah, just a query about coleus, really. Um, I was always taught that you should nip the flowers out. Yep. And I'm in a situation where. Um, my neighbour has got coleus in his garden um, and he just leaves it um, and um, I religiously nip the flowers off ours and his is doing better than mine. And I, you know, I know there's all sorts of other <laughs> factors in that, um, but as I said, I was always... I was always taught to, to nip them out um, as it's a foliage plant. And I just wondered what your opinion was. Well, the, the theory... The yes, well, yes, because <laughs> the theory was that you didn't want it to go to flower. Yeah. If you pick the flower off, it would stop it going to flower to seed, but it would also make it branch and produce fresh-coloured leaf. Yes. Indeed. I mean, coleus... I'm, I'm fascinated, actually, Rob, because coleus has suddenly become... Do you sell many? Yeah. It's yeah. the new... New there's bright that, plant, isn't it? I think what you'll find as well, it's, it's old varieties, new varieties, and there's a lot of new strains out there, like Kong and ones like that. Where the old ones leaves were different. They were different varieties. And I think, you know, better breeding, selective breeding has just meant that there's more vigour in the plant. So do we have to take the flowers off then? I don't know. I think they're quite <laughs> nice, aren't they? I mean, if the plant gro- is growing, leave it alone. It's fine. Have so, a flower, but... You know, you wouldn't do it to things like hookah or other foliage plants that are perennial. And I think modern varieties are just more resilient. And if you like the look of the flower, leave it on. If the plant looks a bit leggy, pinch it back. See, Rob, when you think about that, that was a plant that was around in the 60s. It was a big thing in the 60s. (laughs) People planted whole beds of them, didn't they? Parks departments used them and suddenly they've reappeared. Isn't it funny what... Just, just to say, this is this is going back to my school days about 55 years ago, when when I was doing doing horticulture as a subject, and I always remember my horticulture teacher, uh, you know, ins- insisting that I you, yep. you pinch the flower. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, you're dead it's right. Sort of, fashion really rob um, i think i think what uh, dave is saying is right is that breeding has changed a lot of our plants and i think that's yeah. what it's about so i'll tell you what pinch some out don't pinch the others out <laughs> See what rob happens. and ring us in about a month's time and let us know how you're getting on how about that all right thanks for that <laughs> great thank you rob that's lovely his neighbors doing better we all do different things that's different right. ways and get different results dave from thundersley hello dave 
Hello, Ken, Dave. Um, yeah, one of the things I want to know is the garden seems like it's gone berserk now. I'm getting rhododendrons out in full flower at the bottom of the garden. I'm getting polyanthemums all out in bloom. And I'm just wondering what's going to happen come the spring. I mean, the camellia normally comes out in the spring before the rhododendrons, but yeah. I'm getting all the rhododendrons and everything's gone sort of in a different sort of line now, like, you know? They, they tend to sort themselves happen, out like, in the, the end. But is it going to be no flowers next year? No, you, you'll probably find that the buds that were formed are flowering now, but there will be other buds forming in the normal It's that way. cold spell, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah they confused the plants. They plants. thought it was winter. Oh, look, apparently there were some flowers on my little spring flowering cherry in the garden the other day. You know, it's just plants get confused and they do it, but they normally sort themselves out into a normal pattern and you'll you get might some. get a few less yeah because of some points of flower but yeah they'll be all right right so uh, dave okay. i think it might be something we're going to have to put up with in gardening <laughs> i think the weather patterns have been changing over a number of years yeah. okay we go on about i'm not even going to go down that route but we go on about it more today than we used to but weather patterns have changed if you look over the last 50 years the weather patterns yeah. have changed so i mean and they're they're doing strange things at the moment we have that cold spell a lot of plants thought it was winter and now they think it's spring because it's gone warm again okay uh, right a lovely fact thanks. okay right. thanks very much that's dave from thundersley and we go to where should we go We'll go to Leon C, sunny Leon C, and talk to John. Is it sunny, John? Is it lovely? Yes, it's, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, lovely this morning. When are you going down the front, then, to have a walk? Probably this afternoon. Good for you. John, what are we going to help you with, hopefully? Yeah, I wonder if you can help me with my lawn. Um, in the springtime, we weeded and feeded it. We scarified it. We seeded all the bad patches. Um, now it seems to be completely dying. There's... If there's fine little web patches all over the lawn in the dew. It's like a, a, a web, and the dew's just settled on it, and they're all little round patches. And underneath that, it's completely dead um, and gone brown. Uh, I did have a tree taken out at the beginning of the uh, year, which I think was a bit of disease in it, and that was completely taken out. But we're just at a loss as to know what's causing all these dead patches under this uh, dewy web. I wouldn't. Have I said, don't think the dewy web. Do you? I don't think the web's anything to do with it. Um, I think it's coincidental. You often get little spiders webs and things in the dew, and there's you're, a lot of spiders if you. Yeah, and yeah. you you just you notice them. It may and did well you hear? Be. He did say it's autumn. Did you hear that? He <laughs> said it's nearly autumn. <laughs> but you're flower. right. It's, it's be nearly autumn. autumn. <laughs> but anyway, the only other thing is, is when uh, the crane fire hatching yeah, when, or when the leather jacket come out? They're about they're far away. Or they're not, are they? No. So it could be leather jackets. So I, I can't think of much else that give you these little those little patches. Um, but it's certainly well, not the they're web. Little patches. They're, they're quite big in places, as though. I had about ten dogs running all over the grass, you know. <laughs> and you haven't got any dogs? No, I haven't, no. <laughs> and are you watering it at all? Yeah, she waters it quite a lot. Uh, as I say, most of the year it's just these brown patches. Um, and, and we just don't know what to do. Where's Could she it be fusarium? Sorry? I'm just wondering whether it's fusarium. Because they will produce a fungal patch, wouldn't yeah. they? 
you feed that out, don't you? Nowadays, Normally. you can't do much else, no. can you? What about a liquid feed? Do you think that would help, Dave? It could do, couldn't one. it? A liquid yeah. feed. It's worth a go. He's done all the, that. The problem is... When was the last feed you gave it? Uh, probably about a month ago. Gra granular or liquid? Uh, it was like a granule that puts in liquid. Uh, like soluble. Oh, soluble, yeah. 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 Um, the right, problem is it? it's hard to see without seeing it, but... Um, what it could be, there isn't anything you can do about it. That's you know, the problem. There's right? no cure if it, if it's fusarium. Uh, you can't fusarium. You can't do anything about it if it, if you've got lava running around, nibbling roots underneath there. Yeah. You know, there isn't the treatments out there now that that can be used. It's only a case of keeping the vigor in the lawn to rake it out, keep feeding it, keep cutting it, and you know one replaces another. But you could try yeah. sending. Are you an emaily person or not? Well, we have got an email, but I'm not really computer literate, really. No, OK. Uh, no, I was going to say send me a picture, because I'll at least have a look at it and say, well, yeah, that looks like fusarium or whatever. That's mm. the only thing I could do. But I think liquid feed it, see how you get on. Yeah. Um, you could try, if you've got a sack, soak a sack yeah. as well. This is something else to check whether you've got crane fly. Cranefly Liver Witch, a leather jacket, is you soak a bit of material, a heavy bit of material, soak the lawn like mad, and put it down on a section of lawn overnight where you think that the, the, these patches mm. are. Yeah. And you'll find that the leather jacket will rise to the surface. At least yeah. then you'll know whether it's leather jackets. Leather jackets, yeah. Okay. It's a try. We'll be back to your questions in just a little while, but now on the BBC Essex Gardening Podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week and perhaps a little bit beyond. Dave, what you got for us? Well, it's getting to that time of the year. The autumn shows are, are coming on us. We've been giving them on the announcements, um, and I've got my first one this weekend. But general shows, there's a lot you can do to make your chances better. If you're going to just put a bit of stuff in and it's your first time, you need to... Do the bits beforehand that'll help you perhaps get that red card on the of, bench. Sort of tie them up a bit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Some things, like, plan ahead. So if your show's in two weeks' time yeah. and you intend to grow potatoes, cut the tops off now. Um, if you've got a bit of plastic that you can put over them to keep them dry, don't let them get rained on once you cut the tops off. And what that does, it gives the skins of the potatoes a couple of weeks and it hardens the skin. Right. So when you dig them up and you give them a good scrub and oh, they're clean, you don't mark them. You don't mark them, and you get these lovely, clean, fresh marbles. And you, you've got to—I use a uh, scouring pad. You know these ones in the sink with a yeah. green bit on the one side, not too rough, in a sink of water, and just gently rub over. And you can take that outer flaky layer of skin off because you've ripened the skin, and you get that lovely skin tone underneath. Damp tea towel afterwards, just to keep them fresh, and you can do that. You know, the cleaning you the day them? before. Somewhere cool and dark. Is the fridge too cold? fridge is too cold sometimes, and it yeah. can just sort of shrivel them. So just a cool room, not direct light, perfect. Make sure you read the schedule as well, because there might be things that you do need to plan in advance. <clears throat> no good going out there in the morning going, right, what do I need? And it's too late, you know, you've missed it or gone past it. So read that, know what you're planning. Onions, again, you need to get them out and dry the skins off. Judges don't like to see fresh white onions. Oh, they really? like to see a ripened, clean outer skin. So plan ahead, I've got some onions, get them out, 
We've got some lovely weather at the moment. So it will dry them really dry nicely. Dry them outside in the sun. They're yellow slightly. They're they? always yellow and they get that nice. But you want to take off any split skins at the time you lift them and then ripen any whole skins that are underneath. And the judges like liking to see the tops cut, tied up, turned over and a bit of raffia around there so they're nice and neat. Try to make everything like that. Sort them out so they're the same shape, the same size and hopefully the same colour. <laughs> Rather than go, these are my biggest three, and they all look different, pick three that look the same. Even if they're different sizes? Well, same size, same shape, but oh, don't go si- for your biggest one, and your next <sighs> biggest one, and your next biggest one, because they're all three different sizes. Find where your, your balance is that they're all the same, because there's quite a few points there for uniformity on the bench. So the simple things, you might not be the best grower in the world, but you can improve your chances by doing things like that and we've got some more to go on to with some runner beans and a few tricks of the trade so come on then what's your is is, is that in your second set uh, of i think we go second on that because oh, that's fun we're going to keep it quiet you see <laughs> so listen out and there's some more tips on their way the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther Sunflowers we're talking with Mike in Colchester. Is that right, Mike? Good morning, yes. Also, a supplementary question. Five years ago, my sister, Rita and Rosalyn, sent us a piece of lily. It's yep. been repotted once. I mean, how long do these things go on for? It's in splendid health. They're five years old. They don't Be- mind being in tight pots, do they? No, they go on, for, yeah. go on forever, don't they? <laughs> so Give you lots of peace. Mike, peace lily will just go on and on and on. Oh, God, wonderful, because this year we had seven blossoms uh, yep. appear, which is the most ever, for a five-year-old. Uh, no, I mean, it, if, only ever, if it ever starts to look a bit tired, then it's probably time to pot it up. But they, if you keep them in a tight pot, they seem to flower better than being in a big pot. You just get a load of leaves. Yeah, this is on a, a lovely basket on top of the, 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 uh, the cooker. Yeah. So, well, thanks for that. But uh, sunflowers, fact or fit? Fiction. Are they called sunflowers because they rotate to follow the sun? Generally, yes. they do. They're not the only flower that does it, but they do do it. Yes, and they look and they look a bit like the sun. <laughs> if yeah, you, if you see a if you see a field of cultivated sunflower, you'll find generally they will face south, right? Because they pick up all the, as the much sun as they can. Mm. And I've also, uh, I sent you a photograph earlier today, uh, Ken. I've, I've got a gift from nature. The front of my house is just a wild uh, bloom of anti-rhinums. Just decided to come and live on my, my pebbles at the front of my house. That's a bonus, isn't it? <laughs> a, a gift from nature, I call it. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. No, anti-rhinums is a bit more unusual to get spreading around than normally it's things like forget-me-not and... Plants like that, but uh, yeah, well, there's a bonus. Well, well, thanks for your time today. That's all right. Good to hear from you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Mike in Colchester. Oh, Mike in Frenton's a bit quiet as well. I haven't heard from him for ages. But anyway, Jim, there's still these mics, isn't it? Uh, Jim (laughs) from Pitsy. Hello, Jim. Hello. What you got for us today? Uh, I just want to know when to prune the magnolia tree and how far back. (laughs) As a rule, it's always after flowering. That's it. So, um, so you missed the boat a bit. Do what you like. Yeah. 
I mean, you're doing it to flower in the spring, get into it, prune it, but it is sort of after the spring flower, generally it's best, and you'll get the flower. You could do it now, but you're not going to, you know, you could be cutting off flowering shoots for, for next spring. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Yes, cheers, thank you. And you can be fairly hard, 0800 4041. That's the number to call. Give us a call now. I have a Berberus. This, we'll do a few texts because Victoria has uh, got in quite early. Sir Thumbris Bergii Lutin Rouge. Mm. And a Hebe Emerald Green. Emerald Green, Emerald Gem. Can I plant today in this hot weather or should I wait for a cooler day? No, just get it in yeah, the ground. Bucket of water. <laughs> stick it in a yeah. Stick the plant in a bucket of water yeah. so it's soaked. Plant it. Give it a drink. What happens if the ground is really actually? It's not that dry underneath. Is it's it? not. No, there's a bit of moisture it's in there. It's quite nice. As long as you use plenty of water, you'd be you're, fine. You're laughing. Uh, hi Ken. I grew eight tomato plants in my conservatory of the spring. Then put them into pots outside against the conservatory in June. Had over two kilos of very sweet, soft skinned cherry tomatoes over the last few weeks. The variety was gardener's delight. I watered the plants regularly and fed them once a week. David in Chelmsford. Now the reason he said that was we this had a question last week <laughs> about skins on tomatoes. Yes. Why are they hard? Why are they tough? Uh, particularly in shops and then some of the varieties that you grow at home are tough. Anyway, I spoke to Andrew Toakley from King's Seeds mm. this week and it was quite interesting because I'm saying, well, some of the varieties are better than others. He said, Ken, think of tomato varieties. Who are they grown for? They're not grown for the amateur. No. They're grown for the professionals. So most of the tomatoes that we breed that are Good tomatoes have got thick skins because that's what commercially they need yeah. so that when you handle them, you don't damage them, you don't put your fingers through the thing. Is that right? Yeah. And actually, they're, they're for commercial growing and we haven't got those sort of uh, skills or equipment. And what he said was, interestingly, Sun Gold and Gardener's Delight are two of the varieties that generally will have softer skins. Yeah, yeah. There was another one, but I can't remember what it was. I've got sweet... Petite or something, something like, like sweet that. Sweet appetite. Yeah. That's there are right. a few, yeah. but that is that is answering the question, isn't it? There it is. Gardener's Delight, you see? Yeah. Favourite. <sighs> it's all go, isn't it? Hey? <laughs> it's all go. Let's go back to the phones now. We did Alan in Chelmsford, didn't we? Or is that another one? Did we? Alan? Alan. No. Oh, we got Alan and Alan. Is that Alan there? Hello? I'm Alan. Did you... Were you the sunflower man I was just talking to, or are you a different sunflower man? Well, I, I was just saying to Laura that um, I'm in Roxwell Road, and there's a large field of cultivated sunflowers yep. directly on my right. Yes. And they are all, without a single exception, pointing directly at the sun. Alan, that's what I like to hear. An answer <laughs> to someone else's question, in case they didn't believe us. Is that what it is, Alan? You've, you've backed us up, haven't you? Yep. It's, it's a massive field of them, not very far from the Ritual Agricultural College. Yeah, I think they sell them up there when they're open. Yeah, nice they, they one. Do, yeah, they're selling them now. Yeah. Alan, thank you very much for that call. That's a really good one. Yes. Thank, thank yes, you. Yes. That's Alan from Chelmsford, you see. And now we go to Alan from Hatfield. Sorry, Alan. <laughs> I've got my Alan's mixed up. <laughs> We're talking peas. Is that right, Alan? Yes. A few months ago, my wife bought some seeds from uh, Wobbins Abbey garden show yep and uh, they called asparagus peas I don't know if you've heard of them before yeah yep and funny looking things 
they've all putted up now. I mean, it's a good time to pick up. We were, she was told you can't eat the pod as well. Yeah, yes. That's, they're really like a petit pois, aren't they? Yeah. Except they grow peas inside and if, you can eat the whole if thing. If they're young, they? you can just go, you know, through pod, a bit like pod, you, you eat them as a pod and pea inside. If they're getting a bit bigger, a bit older, you can have the peas out and the, the pods might yeah, be a I bit mean, tough. Yeah, I mean, the ones we've picked and looked, I mean, the peas are very small at the moment. I mean, yeah. you the just pod have as the well. pod as well. Yeah. yeah. Are, are they called asparagus peas because of the flavour or are they just... I think it's, it's a slightly... They're just not a normal pea, are they? It's no, sort of different size. Yeah, in shape. They've so, got sort of, some, some have got little feathery edges on them, you know. Yeah, now. that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think oh, we should, fine, then. So just pop them in the pot and enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> OK, Ken, thanks very much. OK, Alan, that's Alan from Hatfield. Don't forget, you're listening to BBC Essex with the gardening phone in 0800 4041. That's the number to call. 81333 gets you through with a message as well. Put Essex on the front, though, is better. Um, I'd just like to mention, before we go to Anne, I'd like to mention that Alex Lester... Now, I remember Alex Lester for when he was here first time round. It just shows you how long I've been at BBC <laughs> Essex. Anyway, he's in for Sadie 9 from Tuesday the 27th for two weeks. Alex was... He was... He says he was the first voice on air. I don't know whether he was. But anyway, I'm not going to argue with the black and white. It says here he was the first. Yes, it was the 5th of November. I was the first gardening person on the station. I came in on the 6th, on the Saturday. He'll be talking about some of the places he knew well in Essex back in the 80s. I'm finding out from you whether it's changed. Well, has it changed? Yes, of course it has. Anyway, listen out for Alex Lester. He's got an interesting voice. He's the guy that used to do the nighttime shows, isn't it? The yeah, early, very early in the morning. morning. Used to listen to on, him when I was on my plot on Radio <laughs> Two. So listen out for him from Tuesday. Alex Lester from nine a.m. Let's go back to the phones now. Don't forget that number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. And we go to Anna from Basildon. Hello, Anna. Oh, hello, hon. You all right? Yeah, we're fine. What's up? Ken. Um, my hydrangeas, they're shriveling up and they lost this colour. Are they dead? The flowers or the plant? Flower. The leaves are shriveled a little bit as well. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's the flowers drying. will be fading by now. They, you know, it's getting late for hydrangea flowers. But it's just a bit of drying, a bit of sun's come out and it's just caught them. So plenty of water and, and they're just finished going through their, their cycle. Do we, but do I leave the flowers where they are or just cut them off? I, I'm a fan of deadheading hydrangeas because I just don't think they look very nice when they're there and most of them tend to keep coming through. The, the idea that that bit of fluff on the top protects the shoots from frost, I don't know what that protects. No. But, um, I tend to deadhead and tidy them up, give them a good drink. Um, but, but, keep water, but keep watering them, really important. They do love water. Right, keep so leave them where they are and keep watering them. Yeah, yeah. Or take the heads off if you think they look ugly. It's easy as that. Good morning, Ken. I have a Japanese anemone that is taking over the garden. Please, when would be the best time to reduce it? That's Brenda in Whitham. Lucky well, you. Yeah. <laughs> they're nice. They're lovely. Windflower, aren't they? Yeah. Um, um, well, what does she mean by reducing The only I mean, way you'd reduce it is by digging, digging them it out. Because um, they're clump forming so you, you normally dig them up divide them and plant them but you do that in the sort of very late autumn with the uh, enemies i'll do it early spring because they're autumn flowering mm. um so yeah it's up to you if you want to reduce it just dig them out um and leave the bits you want to leave um if you want to do it and give them to someone else and probably wait till early spring simple as that uh we go now to 
Far from South London. You're in South London, is that right, Far? That's right. I, um, I've, got a troll, uh, I've got a question about black currants. Can you, you like? help me? Yes, what would you like to know? I've got three black currants. Unhappily, the labels all rotted away long ago. <coughs> Sorry. And one of them is growing terribly tall. So I'm pruning them this morning, but I find that all the new growth is very high up and all the old wood is down below. So if I pruned off the, whole, the old wood... I naturally will lose all the new growth. Would I? Would it be best to leave one one third on, or one half on, and the other half of the next year, or what? You just answered oh, your own it, question. He's good. <laughs> you're good. You're, you're spot on. Yeah. Just take out perhaps half or whatever. Take out half the half old stuff. It. Prune the other bits back, and then you'll get into a cycle of, of, of replenishment. I see. So yes, only they've grown so. It's grow, one of them has grown so tall that it nearly reaches the fruit cage roof. Yeah. yeah. Cut, cut. I go half. Quite honestly, I go yeah. for half. Half Going the branches half. down. Yeah. And then uh, that half will then fruit uh, next year. The half I leave, it will be next year, will it? In theory, the half that you leave entirely, it's those up years. should be two years. Yeah. It depends on what growth you leave on the bits you leave. If you leave this year's growth, you should get fruit on it next year. Yeah. If you trim them off, then you've got two years to wait on the ones you've trimmed down. I All right. See. Right, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. <laughs> Good to hear from you. And let's just answer. It's an interesting one here. Hi, Ken and Dave. Growing variety of tomatoes, all from seed. Most of these are ripening, very watery, tasteless too. As your first caller said, I'm growing Millibel. Roselle, indigo cherry drops, all tasteless. Yellow Delight is the only one with firm flesh and taste. It is weather-related. Is it weather-related? I grow mini bell each year, and usually they're very tasty. All tomatoes are taking an age to ripen. And the Marmand are only just turning. That's Elsie. Yeah. Bad year. <laughs> it is. Um, I don't know what this tastelessness is. I think there's a lot of that about. But well, I, I watched a programme on commercial stuff and they were saying to get the really sweet potatoes. I was almost letting them die and then bringing them back and letting them die. And it meant that the tomato built up sugars, which added that sweetness into the But we don't say tomato. that. We say, see, they don't dry out. Yeah. You know, this is different ways of doing things, but sometimes when you stress a plant, it reacts by doing things, and storing sugars is one of them. But it's been—it's not been that sunny, has it? No. You know? And and sun ripens and adds sweetness as well. I'm afraid gardening does play tricks on us, doesn't it, Dave? It's never easy. Well, as promised, yeah, I know we'll be back to your calls and texts in just a little while, but let's take a final look at what Dave's got <laughs> for us on tips for showing vegetables. And maybe flowers? No, flowers are in there. Obviously, they can't not be, can they? Well, you've got dahlias, Dahlias, dahlias. So, we're brief on that. Dahlias, if the show is on a Sunday, say, then I tend to cut mine on a Saturday. Cut them in the morning. Never cut flowers, whatever they are, in the middle of the day, especially while we've got this weather. Get them in some nice deep water, somewhere called a garage or a shed or something like that. And what you'll find is the flowers will develop better in water cool and they will on the plant for that other day so you, you just get them just to drop down a little bit and get a bit fuller so cut them early don't leave it to the last minute you can't polish flowers okay you? you can't <laughs> polish them you can't do much about them <clears throat> now runner beans oh it's been a bit of a year for runner beans it's good been and bad good and it? bad hot dry wet hot dry wet and they go all funny shapes runner beans need to be straight 
they like to see them straight, and they like when you when you judge them, you get them and you bend them, and then you oh, hope they mustn't snap. They must snap. Oh, they, they must, must snap. snap cleanly and not be like rubber sticks <laughs> or string or stringy exactly so you're looking for a nice clean snap you can help that and the straightness so if you pick them again the day before just make sure they're the same length Try is to, it three again or it's normally depends. nine nine depends bends, on the right. schedule so okay. you need nine of them get them the same length get them the same thickness if they're a bit curvy don't worry too much get yourself a nice damp tea towel and a ruler put the ruler on roll it over put your first bean against the ruler nice and straight roll it over second bean roll it over keep doing all your beans do a few extras so they're all straight and rolled in a damp tea towel I didn't know that until yeah. I did it and you end up with a Swiss white roll of runner beans and then just leave it 24 hours you can put them in the fridge because the coolness will just help them give leave it to the last minute get to your show unroll them and you'll pick find, the best out. Pick your best out, and you'll find some that were a bit curvy, a bit crescent moon, will now be straight. Incredible. <laughs> so I never knew that. Improve, improve again there. Sweet corn is a hard one. Got sweet corn about now, really. Sometimes difficult to judge whether it's ripe as well, isn't it's it? It's got to be ripe. Yeah. And, and they're looking, you can't show the sweet corn uncovered. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're almost showing blind. Mm. So the judge wants to see a fully wrapped cob in its leaves. Well, what's underneath? Because the judge is going to find out. He will peel that back. So they're looking for all the little kernels to be in nice, neat, straight rows and from one end to the other, not just the first half. Which, of so, course, in fact, if you look at it, nature's the only one who sorts that out. Yeah. You can't, can you? You've just got to pick the right ones. <laughs> so if you go out there, you can take the eight outer layers off yeah. and just have a feel. You can feel oh, the, cob, the kernels through the skin and just make sure you can feel some at the end, some in the middle, and you can almost run your thumb up and down and feel if they're in straight rows. If they are, they're the ones to pick. You need the, the fuzz on the end, the, the burr on the end there. And it needs to be dry, but not crispy and gone, because that's saying that it's an old cob. Right. So they're looking for young. And quite often, I think they tend to just poke the cob and want a bit of milk to come out of it. So it's nice and fresh. Generally, with all flowers, veg, they're looking for form. Oh, it's nice and regular shape and freshness. Don't put marrows in there that have been cut for ages and got woody stems. They want to put the thumbnail into the neck just off the stem. So it's no good having picked one in July and, and think, that's, that's right, so lovely. I've got a great <laughs> marrow there. They'll put their, their thumbnail in, in, into the stem just yep. at the end. And if that's hard as wood, which sometimes it can oh. be, they'll go, no, it's old. So it needs to still be young, fresh and well-shaped. Not always biggest is best unless it's asking for the heaviest or the best even then there's no good having last year's beetroot with all holes in it and no. things like that they're still looking for good Fresh. condition do they need the leaves on when you're looking at beetroot you mentioned beetroot do yeah. they have to have leaf on as different well different ones so beetroot you tend to cut the tops right. and you cut the tops about six inches and tie them so it's neat things like leeks obviously you always leave the tops on carrots you trim different ones the schedule should tell you how they expect you to present them so make sure you do read that. So what you're really saying, when all this show talk that we're doing, mm. it's not really, it should be for everybody, not just for the few. Yes. It's fun. Everyone can have a go. And at these local shows, all they need to do is see people. You know, it's about promoting, growing stuff well. And the best way to learn is to get beaten. 
Yeah. Because you'll find a person that had done it better than you. You can talk Go to them. Go and track them down. No secrets in this at all. They will tell you what they've done, how they've done it, and you can tell them and they'll get you right next year, try to do a bit better. And it's about improving your gardening. It's not the competitive of I've won. It's how to learn. My little tip then, you plant two of sweet corn plants in the same planting hole. I learned that from a gardener who's been at it 50 years, and yep. he gets better results now by putting two in the planting hole. Yeah, yeah. And that's news Tip to me. of the week. We all learn. If you want to get your event spread across the airways via the podcast, all you need to do is send it along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. And you could, yes, you could be having it mentioned on the podcast, which will get more people along to it. It's as simple as that. I'm going to start with a few, well, Bee and Butterfly Walk, Tiptree Heath Nature Reserve, CO5OPT, 21st of August, 2 to 2.30. And then you've got Mini Beast Hunt, the Essex Wildlife Trump at Fingeringhoe Wick Native Reserve, South Green Road, and that's in Bocking, 01206 729678. You have to... You have to book that one. 10 till 12, 1.30 to 3.30. See how? Uh, 24th of August, the Cockleshaw Flower Festival at St Peter's at Vidnikila uh, in Cockleshaw, 10 till 5, 24th to the 27th. And what else have we got for you? I have to wade through bits of paper to find them for you. Um, we then have the Fearing and Kelvedon Annual Garden Show. Did I mention that one? I might have done, but never mind. Um, that is on 31st of August at Fearing Community Centre. Fearing, CO59BCB is admission a pound for children. Um, no, sorry, a pound and children are free. Refreshments, homemade cakes. A re reminder that the Colchester Bonsai Society, September the 2nd, have a pine workshop. They meet at Marks Tay Parish Hall, London Road, Marks Tay, at about 7.30 on the first Monday of the month. Never forget the Marks Hall Gardens and Arboretum Open, Coggleshaw, Brown Signs, CO61TG, beautiful heritage garden, well worth going and looking at it. And families will love Hyde Hall as there's giant caterpillar to celebrate 50 years of the very hungry caterpillar. It was written. I never knew it was that old. I thought it was quite a good new app, uh, a new book, but never mind. And there's 3D apples and pears. That's what I was going to say. Creep, creep Hedge Lane, Rettenden. Go on there. Hyde Hall. What else we got for you? <clears throat> September the 7th, Autumn Show, Tiptree Garden Club. Did I mention that? Thurstable School, Maple Road, Tiptree. People send them in twice and I read them out. It's as simple as that. And don't forget as well, Monday the 26th of August, uh, the Brightness Horticultural Society, Horticultural Produce Show. That's a good one to go and have a look at. So there are. A couple of gardens that are open, Barnard's Farm. Open till the 29th of August, every Thursday. That's Barnard's Farm, Brentwood Road, West Holden, Brentwood. And they are. That's plenty of things that you can be getting on with. I think I've just missed one. Tiptree Garden Club, Autumn Show, Saturday the 7th of September in Thurstable Road, Maple Road. If I didn't... Aunt, didn't get to that one, I have now, but the famous Ray Clark will be presenting the cups and certificates. Yes, Ray, who's on before me, is auctioning the surplus produce at the end of the afternoon. Hope he's got his auctioneer's hat on. 
Go on, Ray, get it. Don't forget the Orsett Show as well, a great family day out. That's the 7th of September. I'll be there straight after the show. Go come and see me, bring your bits of plants along and we'll have a look at them as well. That's the Orsett Show, 7th of September. Don't forget, you can let me know what's going on and it's as simple as that. Ken.Crowther at bbc.co.uk or send it in the post to Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. Now let's go back to the phones because uh, John in Burnham Crouch is talking to Martin, aren't you, Bert John? Yes. Hello. Hello. John, it sounds like you've produced your own strain then, haven't you, John? It's got no name. It's just my own strain. John of Burnham on Crouch, I reckon you should call it. Perfect tomato. John's tomatoes. Tomato plants, when you think about it, they were only weeds. They started from weeds. Yeah. And the best thing to grow them is in fresh ground, even in the flower bed. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put them in the same place after two years. Yeah. Ground. And a lot of that is they use a certain, each plant uses different nutrients, and after a couple of years, they take those trace elements out because yeah. they've used yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've done what the veg growers do, you know, they select the best and, yep. and they take the seed from that, and over time, you evolve your own strain that has got certain characteristics, and over that many years, that's what you've done with your own seed yeah, selection. Never, I don't get any disease or anything like that. No, I grow inside and out, they grow inside and out in pots. They're just yeah. uh, a tomato that I've sort of produced, and they're perfect, in my opinion. Uh, that's good if you've got 50 years' worth of growing to do it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> John, John, I tell you what, you've got a goodie. You'll have all our listeners down to Burnham on Crouch trying to get tomato plants from you, see? <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much for your call, John. That's really interesting. Thank you very okay. much indeed. Right. Thank you. That's John from Burnham on Crouch with a very interesting story there. Um, just, um, we were talking about that plant that we didn't know the name of. Somebody has said, I think the name of your plant could be Tatera. It's not Tatera, is it? No, no, that's Angel Trumpet. Yeah. Uh, I think the poisonous plant is Thorn Apple. Love your programme. That's Jill in Thorcott. That could be its common name. We're only not sure. No, we're not sure <laughs> of that. But anyway, we'll see where we go on that one. Uh, I'm going to nip back to the phones now and go to Pat in Tiptree. Hello, Pat. Hello there. Yeah, I've grown radishes in the veggies trunk, and a three-foot one, and I always put new soil in. Mm-hmm. Grow the first lot, perfect. Put another row in, uh, just get the leaf and no radish, obviously. Mm. It's, gem- it's generally it's better sort of old compost, new compost, and and possibly earlier on is a better time to get them going and, and going. But they don't like drying out, so probably your second crop is growing in more heat um, than the first lot, and your food, yeah. your compost would have lost quite a bit of its its nutrient. Yeah, we walk we're all day long because you know what I mean. As I've been laughing. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not the water. It's it's is much more as much the feed and and just conditions, but. Um, and it could be, I don't know about radishes really, but some things don't, as we said earlier, don't like growing in the same spot or in yeah. the same bit time and time again. Yeah, but I renew the dirt all the time, obviously. Yeah, yeah, from one year to the next, but do you renew no. it from one crop to the next? I dig a hole and put a new lot of dirt in and then fill it over, obviously. Yeah, it's just one of those things, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Right, okay then, Tom. No, re- no real answer for you my there. My second okay. lot of right. beetroot don't look half no. as good as my first lot of beetroot that I put in. <laughs> now, you see, Dave's not doing well either, yeah. Pat. I'm cooking them now. Oh, enjoy. <laughs> do some for me. No, I do like a bit of fresh cooked radish. Uh, no, beetroot. Beetroot. <laughs> beetroot, yes. It is nice. Do you, do you eat it hot or cold? Because a lot of people eat it hot, don't they? Cold. I've been doing it raw, peel it, and put it on the barbecue with a bit of ginger on it. Oh, right. Roasted. Interesting one. Don't forget, we, we've got a line free. We can squeeze you in. 0800 111 And let's go to Maureen in Braintree. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Ken and David. Oh, Dave, um, the first <laughs> question is for Ken. Um, we have a Katsura Acer. Yes. I sent you an email with Yes, and you know, I've screen. got you on the screen because I was just going to answer you. Best time to prune Acers, or the only time that you should ever prune an Acer, is winter. winter. In the winter? Yep. But that is too big for the space. It's about six foot tall. How long has it been there? About four years, no more than four mm. years. Getting on difficult time to move. Yeah. I mean, you can prune them hard and you'll get good a lot growth. of good growth from it, So, but just got to well, wait till winter time. Prune the sides and the top. Yeah. Yep. All round. All round. All yeah. round, give it a good trim up. But winter? But in the winter. Yes. Once yeah. um, well, all the leaves November, are off. December. March. I tend to go December into, uh, into Jan. Yeah. Right. The other one is well, for, thank that, you, is for you, Dave. Cool. Um, again, I sent you a picture, but I'll tell you, it's a, um, a virgin record dahlia yeah. that I bought in the sale in May, mm-hmm. and it's in a pot about seven inches wide, six inches deep. Right, not a very big one then. flower heads on it. Yeah. Can I just leave that as it's so late now? You might as well. It's a small tuber. Yeah, what you'll find, let them flower, what you'll have is a lovely tuber in that pot because you've got a small tuber that's been restricted and you'll have a nice tuber in that pot for, to overwinter and you'll probably overwinter it in the pot. So just... Let it flower, let it grow, let it do what it wants to do. When the frost touches the top back, cut it back. I can see the picture now. Cut it back and just pop it in a shed or somewhere like that and let it dry out. Come spring, water it, wake it up, and then you can plant it out in the garden or a bigger pot. Lovely. Do I feed the dahlias? I, I, I've been doing them for years. and then Might, I have to might get more dinners than I do. With tomato food? Yeah, that's yep. fine. What, uh, how often? Whenever you remember. <laughs> no, they are so... Aren't they? Aren't yeah. I mean, I've learnt from Dave, they are so hungry. I mean, most people feed them at least once a week, yeah. don't they? So mine, mine get more dinners than I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. And thanks for reminding us of the emails. We've dealt with those. And sorry, if we don't get through to all your emails, I do my best to answer them as best I can. You will get answers, but they might not be as quick as giving us a call. Let's now go to Jenny in Eastwood. Hello, Jenny. Well, good morning, gentlemen. What right, have you got I've, for I've, us? I've got a for... bit of a poorly looking fatinia. Yeah. Um, it's about um, six foot something tall. It's, it's, it's got about three or four main sort of stems. Mm-hmm. And about a, th- a quarter or a third of, of, the, of the shrub is looking quite sickly. The leaves looking very dry, very pale. Whereas the rest of the rest of the plant looks fairly green and a bit of red, it looks fairly healthy. 
I don't know whether I should be cutting this chunk out that's that's poorly or, or give it time to recover. What do you suggest? If it was mine, I'd mm-hmm. go out there and I'd give it a real good chop. Good really? prune. A load of food, a bit of bone meal, blood fish and bone or poultry, anything like that around the base, plenty of water. But, but you wouldn't dig this complete section out at this stage? No, no, just just give it a good prune, hard prune, and see what happens. Cause if it's right across the top, I mean, I'm yeah. going to lose the... the you'll lose a bit of height, here. yeah, but you'll get new red. So your new growth will be red. Leave the poorly stem in, but just trim the whole bush and, and give see it a, what happens. A good because feed. quite often that will wake them up and you get shoot. Rather than just prune it out and you've lost it, it's give it half a chance. Looks poorly. The rest of it looks okay. Yeah, yeah. Just give it a trim up and feed it. Feed. I would. Yeah. That's the easy way. Thank you to Jenny in Eastwood, and uh, here's one from Dawn in Gerard's Cross. She says, um, "How can I make my blue moon rose bluer? It's a sort of lilac <laughs> colour at the moment." That's exactly and what blue moon looks like. It isn't blue, is it? <laughs> I'm afraid, Dawn, that that's what comes. That's what you get. That is blue moon is a lilac-y colour. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed some of the answers to those questions that we gave. You can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. If you've got a gardening question for us, why not give us a call next week on 0800 111 4041 and we can answer it on next week's programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. 